focus on you, Jesus. We prioritize you, Jesus. We give you all. We give you everything. 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 Nothing left, Jesus. We give you all. We give you everything. Nothing left, Lord Jesus. We give you all. We give you everything. Thank you, Jesus. Shanda da baroste bereketo yada barashta. Eroda barakasa brebebeke fruta base. Eroda barakaso deshtere de yada barashta. Eroda baba bakara da baba baba baba. Shanda da bar. Rada baba baba kashe dere berosata da barada. Rede berosabara de barakaso dere yabarada. Raba baba baba shaka di yada barashta. Sete brebe bebe reke so brebe bebe rosta rete bara 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 ba shada da bara baba ba kasta da ba raba baba 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 ebro baba baba ba kasha da da bara baba raba baba baba ba kabaroste brebe reke so tada bara da raba baba baba ba karada baba baba kasta da 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 bara da 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 raba baba baba ba shata da 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 bara da 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 rada baba ba kasha da 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 bara da 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 Rada baba baba kashte de 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 so ebrostera arada baba baka kabroshete le de 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 sataravara kusade de bebeshtora ba rabaroko se de berosa da da ba rede baraka bara da 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 ba shta da 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 esto bara da da raba baba baka rode berebe so da da baka erode bara baka rada baba basha da da raba baba baba baka bara da ka bara da 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 busha da 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 basa sete brosta baba baka rada baba thank you jesus hallelujah amen Hallelujah. Good evening, everyone. Trust everyone's had a great week. Hallelujah. All right. We are about to jump into today's Melchizedek School. And um, give me um, Hebrews 8 from verse 10. Maybe dark in the background, so this is more legible. It's difficult to see even on the screen. I'm just going to read. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their own righteousness and, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hallelujah. 
Let me just launch my remote control application here. Hallelujah. Now, um, something that helps is an understanding of the nature of God. Can you help me kill this audio? Hallelujah. There we go. Hallelujah. For I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hallelujah. A foundational, huh. Okay, that's interesting. Very interesting. Ah, that's why. I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Something foundational to their, to the, yes. Something foundational to the um, understanding of the New Testament is understanding the character of God. That phrase there where, go back, go back one, go back to, let's start from verse 12. Just from verse 12. For I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, we've explained before that this is actually something that's meant to be experienced by believers. Amen? Hallelujah. This is something that we're meant to experience. And the way that we experience this, amen, is by, or is, comes as a consequence of God's laws being written on our hearts and in our minds. Amen? Now, when we say God's laws be written in our hearts and in our minds, we're not speaking of a, um, a physical writing process as that prophetic picture of myself. It's more about like a, will I say, form, a mold, an architecture. Um, yeah, I'm going to use the word form there. And I'm saying that because, thank you, because... What, what's actually happening on the inside of us is that our spirit man, amen, which is the fullness of God, is consistently releasing, will I say, um, virtue, um, I will reference this as like the life force of God, amen, consistently out of our spirit man, amen. Can you call everyone in the cave so they can come down, amen? Hallelujah. It's consistently issuing out, amen, from, this, um, from our spirit. Hallelujah. And what's happening is that as this issuance is taking place, amen, the goal is to rest upon the soul and mold or sculpt the soul, amen? The fruit of this sculpting process, hallelujah, is that our sins and our iniquities will be remembered no more. Hallelujah. Now, this suggests to me a few things. One of these is that one of them could be that that form that we've held onto, amen, are the sins and iniquities, amen? That is the way our souls were prior to being written upon, amen? That was the sin. Does that make sense? Or... When we come into that form after we've been written upon, amen, and the life force of God begins to issue off from our spirit man, amen, because our souls have 
been written upon, there is no longer any frustration or hindrance. Amen? There is no longer any... Um, is there any reason why you're back there? Is that why you're back there? Do you need to be back there to record? Okay, we're, we're working on the system. Okay, gotcha. Hallelujah. Okay. So when... Um, when the soul has received the laws of God, there is no longer any hindrance to what the spirit man is projecting. Amen? A good way of understanding this is what I said last week when I explained that. Not only did we learn um, the way or, or how to live, not only was our ability to, or our way of experiencing life dictated to us by the sin nature, by the dead spirit, but even how to learn new things was also given to us, amen, by that dead spirit. And so because of that, when the life of God is introduced, because the life of God introduces many things that are contrary to how we learn things from Satan's life, amen, we find that Satan's life that we have learned or we've mastered or we've adopted as our own, amen, is now actively resisting the new learning of the life of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Give us one second as we take care of a power issue. Hallelujah. Brace yourselves, beloved. Hallelujah. Okay, so I'm just going to keep on with that scripture while we get everything back up and running. Apologies, online audience. Uh, what happened was that um, the power, we had, a, we had a power switch. Power changed hands. Hallelujah. <laughs> so because of that, we wanted to quickly um, get things up and running. Hallelujah. Okay, so we're going to keep this running. Let me make sure that we're also live on all our other, like on Instagram, for example. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for your patience, online audience. Okay, so we're going to keep this um, party going, keep this train chugging along. So the human soul, amen, over time learned not just how to experience life, but how to learn how to experience life, amen? And it's that way that um, Satan's life has tutored the soul that we have adopted as the way to learn things, amen? That's why, for example, when God introduces his discipline, when the doctrines of spirituality are introduced to us many times, they, you know, except for when a huge wave of glory hits the soul, there's going to be a lot of resistance, right? Not necessarily just because we're not unfamiliar with these things per se, but because it's different from what we're used to, amen? And the way every facet of the human being has been designed were machines. And what that means is that we try to make things done more efficiently. And we're always leaning towards a more efficient way of doing things. So whenever we encounter a more difficult way of doing something, we're always trying to find, is it not an easier way to get around this, if that makes sense, unless we can see the treasure in that thing? Amen? So give me that verse back again. For I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. When we read this, amen? So again, we're looking at two potential things happening, amen? One of them is that this, that architecture of the soul prior to being written upon, amen, that is being blotted out, amen? That's one. Then two, hallelujah, also speaks about the flow of that life force of God into the soul, imparting into, into the soul, amen, the riches of God, amen? Now, everything I'm seeing right now is hinged upon adopting like the way I look at, you know, the, the human being. I have that illustration I put before. Give me that um, Throne of the Soul um, graphic again. It's in our resources folder. There we go. There's one that has a lot more information on it. I think the, there we go. Hallelujah. No, that's not it. There's one that's a lot more information rich. There we go. That's the one. All right. So you notice um, each of these faculties, imagination, will, desire, memory, amen, all of these, amen, each of these faculties, they, we refer to them as thrones of the soul, right? Or gateways of the heart or spiritual senses. One camera one. Now, each of these, amen, it is through each of these that the human being is able to change how they experience life. Amen? It's not just how you become aware of things. We'll become aware of things through different means. Through how you, if I, I can look at something and not have emotions about that thing, if that makes sense. That makes, is that what I'm saying making sense? Like, what I mean by this is not just, this is not for me to become spiritually aware of things. Um, Black said, okay, that's right. I thought you had already gone in my mind. I forgot it's not till later on. Hallelujah. It is not through these faculties, amen, that we are aware of our spiritual environment per se, amen? What these faculties are doing to us is that they are triggering, amen, how we experience life or they are meant to change how we experience life. Does that make sense? So, for example, someone can... I can give you two million of a specific currency. 
okay? Unless that thing tampers with your emotions, amen? Tampers with your desires, amen? Tampers with how you're reasoning, amen? These faculties remain untampered with. Does that make sense? So for example, it's not every single thing that touches these things. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Does that make sense? So for example, um, if, you, if you look at Hebrew, give me Hebrews chapter 5. Maybe I should phrase this by that precursor, that portion of scripture. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's start from verse, um, let's read the whole thing. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer up both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason thereof, he ought to, as for the people, so also by reason thereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man takes his honor to himself, but he who was called of God, even as Aaron was, right? Okay. So also Christ did not glorify himself to be made a high priest. But he that said to him says, thou art my son, today have I begotten you. Amen. And he, as he said in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and, next page, was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those that obey him, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Paul is not speaking in verse 11 about the ability of your nervous system to interact with things that are said to you audibly. Does that make sense? What I'm saying here is that, go back to that image of the, um, the thrones of the soul. Yes. Paul is not speaking here about you... When he's speaking about dullness of in hearing, he's speaking about what God has said or the scriptures that he's pointing at not flowing through these faculties here, flowing through these channels. Amen? Let me say like this. You can go to a teaching. Amen? Like this one. Hear things that are said, like right now. Amen? And yes, the words that are said are not going into the channel of throes of your soul, right? You can have a vision. Here's where it gets scary. You can have a vision. Have an encounter with God, and yet it's not going through this thing. Amen? The process of what you, what you are um, aware of going through your soul, amen, is a, lot, is a completely different ballgame altogether. Because what we're dealing with here is not just um, your senses like your physical eyes, amen, and your mouth, amen, where you are constantly bombarded by information, amen? No, no, no. Those, that is like... The, those, those, um, those, that level of interaction is not even considered in this discussion here. Amen? Those things are not revolving around governing your soul. Amen? The subject matter here is the thrones of the soul. Uh-uh. Pastor Uche, is this Samson anointing? You have new hair or? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Sitting in Karen Day's easy bag. I know that's not. 
Samson has been. <laughs> seven locks of his hair. <laughs> one for every one of the seven spirits of God. Amen. Hallelujah. When something is triggering your emotions, amen, that is when it's affecting you. Does that make sense? When something is triggering your reasoning faculties, that is when it's affecting you. When something is triggering your memories, triggering your desires, triggering your imagination, triggering your will, because you're seeing something, you find yourself wanting to do something. You find yourself doing something in response to that thing. I'm not just doing something. For example, when I'm hungry, amen, I go and get food. That's what I'm talking about here, amen? I'm talking about the decision-making processes, amen? So for example, I hear that a new movie is coming out, right? And what now happens? There is a spike in emotions. I now say, Kai, I wanted to go for that night's vigil. We can, I'm using a very simple example. We can, it happens, right? <laughs> Those are simple examples. <laughs> Let us reschedule everything. What's happening here is that someone is speaking here. Amen. Something is sitting, amen, on the thrones of your soul. And that thing is influencing, amen, your decisions in your life. Amen. Now, God wants to be the one that determines, amen, the decision-making processes in our lives. So, for example, it's not just the things that you do, but even the why you do them. So, for example, now, I see someone, the person needs, the person needs help in a specific area. Then I, I offer the person help. Now, my offering that person help might be dependent on something sitting on one of these faculties. It could be because I love that person, right? When I see the person, my emotions are stirred, right? I remember who this person is to me. I desire to help them. I want to help them, right? And it's not just this desire where I play soft music. You know, you can desire to help someone. All you, all you can do is just play music. <laughs> God be with you. And you're saying it and you're running away. You know the picture of um, this dude, G um, Peter. Pastor Christian Kelly has this teaching where he explained that um, when the cock crowd, crowd three times, right? And Peter started crying. He just cried. He and Jesus Christ made eye contact. And he started crying. He didn't cry and then say, I know him. What did he do? He cried and he ran away. <laughs> you know the reason why? It doesn't matter how much Jesus looked at him. He was not going to that cross with Jesus. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Someone had already sat on that soul. So you can say, is it, it, I, I, it, everyone will betray you, but I will not betray you. As the guy is sitting down there, the guy is eating food as Peter is talking. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? So the day of, of reckoning came, and then Peter was about to, when he told Jesus Christ, he started crying. But that cry was not crying because he betrayed Jesus. It was because of, he realized how weak his soul was, amen, to respond the way he said before. And he ran away. No, there's a way you can, as a child of God, I'll share a story. There's a martyr, a, a man was being martyred, amen? And in the middle of his martyrdom, the guy came off, because what he said was that, if you would confess that Jesus Christ is not your Lord, or if you didn't renounce Christianity, if you renounce Jesus Christ, if you say no long, you no longer want to serve God, we'll let you off of the stake. So he was burning, I think it was burning or they were whipping him, one of the two. And then the guy jumped out. He said, I don't want again. I renounce Jesus. But when he came out, he now started getting comfortable. Ah, the agony in his soul was so painful. 
the guy jumped back inside. I said, please kill me. Kill me a thousand times. I will stay. I'm not leaving Jesus Christ alone. How dare I leave Jesus alone? And the guy died there. That's a very honorable way to die, right? Even that little flinch there, it just showed the reality of his conviction. You can see his conviction is even stronger. You know, there's a way where you see all these martyrs. If you read the Fox Book of Martyrs and everyone is just dying, 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 dying. They're giving their lives. You're like, is there no human being <laughs> in this book? Where you see someone's faith, where you can see like a more human, realistic kind of, you know, there's a way faith can be so strong. When you hear some testimonies, you're just like, ah, this person has like passions like me. <laughs> what is that what I'm saying? But when you read those stories, you can see that, oh no, everyone had to overcome something. Just that you didn't see some people's, some people's overcoming process was not documented for you. This one, his, his own was right here, right before he died. And he overcame and he jumped inside and said, I'm going, I, I choose Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what, that would have been what Peter would have wanted. Oh no, I didn't want to betray you. Lord, I know you. I'm your disciple. They will say, eh What would they do? They will just lay hands on him. Not to heal the sick, <laughs> but, to, but to mutilate his body. Amen? And Peter wasn't ready for that. Hallelujah. You know why? The Holy Ghost had not come yet, right? And because of that, the life force of God could not tamper with anything, amen, in his soul. Hallelujah. Put the illustration back on the screen, the diagram back on the screen. Hallelujah. So our goal, amen, is not just to be, like I've heard spiritual senses taught, amen, with an effort to activate you in like, you know, seeing gifts, right? Hearing, you need to hear God's voice and all these things. And the truth is that those will come when you're tempering those of your soul automatically. That is the truth. Maybe I should explain how, you know, we watched the video last week with um, Paul Keith Davis where he spoke about the pouring of water over the thrones, right? Amen. And um, the Im I love the imagery that he used there. Maybe we should just, um, let's go, let's jump back to what we looked at last week and explain everything, okay? So last week we looked at different verses. We are the city of God, right? Amen. And each of these thrones of our souls, amen, there are gates. Amen. It was known in ancient cultures that, um, the, the, the throne or the authority of every um, city was found at the gates. That's where elders would sit because they wanted to know who was coming in and out of their city. I gave you permission to come inside. And in fact, the person that would stay there as delegate of the king had the authority of the king. Anyone that misrepresented or did not have values that uh, were consistent with the king was not allowed to come inside. Amen? So because of that, that was a station. That's sitting by the king's gate. If you check, Mordecai sat there, right? In the book of Esther, if you check, that's where Daniel sat, right? Why did they sit in those places? That was representative of being contro controlling what was happening in those vicinities. Amen? So you'd see um, um, that God is very, very concerned about the things that are happening in these areas. Amen? And the language of us being the city of God, the language of us being the community of God, amen? All of these, this imagery here is very crucial to us understanding what's happening. So we're going to jump real quick to, is anyone back there? To the book of, okay, I can control from here. To the book of Revelations chapter, I think, um, 22? No, 21. Hallelujah. So I'm going to, mm, let me see here, from verse... Um, from verse 10. Yes, from verse 10. Ah, you need to do that. Revelations 21. Amen. From verse 10. Okay. 
All right. Let me put the backdrop on. All right, so let me switch to camera one. I don't have the switcher open here, do I? I probably do. Huh? Done. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and a high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious. Amen? Now, I want to explain a very core principle of your Christian walk. Amen? And it is very simply this. Everything that you are going to experience at the end of your Christian walk, literally every single thing is already present inside of you. When I say end of a Christian walk, I'm talking about the end as in this age. Everything as far as ending this age is concerned is already inside of every single one of us. God showed me this in 2018 when um, Pastor Denny Matthews came and he taught about the kingdom, amen, the kingdom age. And I remember the, the warfare I had was realizing the fact that everything that God needed to end corruption on this earth was inside of me. And it was because of my refusal, amen. You know the wicked servant, the power of the talents? There was a guy that had one and he buried it. And the guy said, you wicked and lazy servant, right? The least you could have done was given it to usury. Usury, um, I personally believe, would have been like... Um, context-wise, preaching it to people of God, showing them what is that's the least you can do. The least you can do with what God has shown you in, in your Christian walk. The smallest thing you can do is tell other people. It's not for telling people. It's actually for <laughs> your development. But the worst thing you can, that's what Jesus Christ said to the Pharisees. You were given the key to the kingdom and you now went and did what? You now locked the door. Do not allow <laughs> anyone to enter. That's the worst thing you can do, right? Where you bury it. As in... Let me go and live another life. No, 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 no. Whatever you have received, you have to, at the very least, minister to some form of action. Amen? The primary way that God would have you minister, amen, is from your life. Man, my mama taught on Tuesday. Who was around on Tuesday? Jesus Christ was so powerful. When she said, uh, God was mad, made himself manifest to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in a specific way, but to us, God manifested himself as a man. There was something so beautiful about that. And it just got to me. I did all kinds of Bible studies and what is it now after that, just trying to unravel. I don't know what it is. You know when you, you struck gold, but you don't know what it is. Something, there was something in that, those, state, that, those words, amen, that was really gripping. And I, I've been mining on that, trying to figure out what exactly is God trying to show me, amen. Some of that came out in yesterday's um, teaching, Dream Word for Now. Um, I was kind of running through and I, <laughs> someone said that his head is painting him because of how fast I was going. Please forgive me. I'm a very fast speaker. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. What I'll try, I'm going to go over everything again next week. And by the mercy and grace of God, it's be a lot easier to understand. Usually when I go over things the second time, it's a lot easier to understand. Amen. Because I speak fast. That's the truth. Amen. And it's not fair because... When God is showing you these things, you have all the time in the world, right? Your prayer closet. You can spend all the time you want, but you only have one hour, 30 minutes. I want to now <laughs> slap humanity with what? Four hours of engagement. Now show it to me, 30 minutes. This is what God showed me. You don't understand? How can you not understand? <laughs> I sp <laughs> what is that what I'm saying? It's the thing of uh, the teacher that spent all their life learning advanced calculus. They now want to spend what? You know, this ASU strike has lifted now. 
They now want to examine you <laughs> on what they've spent what? Five seconds showing you. Here's the link to the PDF. Test is tomorrow morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know that's wickedness. <laughs> Hallelujah. So please forgive me for that. <laughs> I'm not wicked in Jesus' name. Please put the scripture back on the screen. Hallelujah. The scripture, the scripture. Yes. So, um, the primary way God wants us to communicate these things, amen, hallelujah, is by living the life. Amen. I said last week that those who declare these things plainly say, amen, that they're looking for a continuing city, right? Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. Speaking about the patriarchs, they made some declarations, not by the words they said, amen, but because God's word I'm going to use the word infested. Infested, amen, the thrones of their souls, amen. What began to happen is out of the abundance of the heart, there is a speaking, there is a message, amen. And they became messengers of God's covenants with them. And I'm saying, using all these words, because the new covenant, amen, is the writing of God's laws upon the heart, amen. Hallelujah. And when those words are written, again, it's not really words per se, the way we think about it, amen. When your soul, amen, has gone through the process, amen, of receiving these words, there is a form it adopts, amen. When your soul comes into that form, amen, there is now a proclamation as a consequence of that new form, amen. You radiate it. You radiate it in the way you talk, the way you reason. Amen. The things you say, the things that you're doing, the way you structure your life. Amen. Decisions that you make. All of these things are the byproducts of that form. That is a message that has been preached. Amen. That is also one of the ways, a primary way that God wants to be manifested on the earth. God was manifested in the flesh, right? Seen of angels, right? Hallelujah. Um, preached among the Gentiles, justified in the spirit, and believed in the world. Hallelujah. Now, I'm saying all these things because I want us to, I'm saying all these things because I want us to understand that the things that we come into at the end of our Christian walk, they are present in us now. Amen. What this should do for us is that it should give us impetus to experience these things. And I'm saying this because literally what I discovered is that every single thing, amen, in the New Testament is accessible to us right now. I remember a period of time when I was struggling with doubt in my life. And I was struggling with doubt, but I knew that it was doubt I was dealing with. I knew that what God was saying was true. So what did I do? I began to engage the Lord in pursuit of convictions that will spring from physical sightings of unusual things. What I mean by that is that I wanted to see God physically, if that makes sense. I wanted to see something tangible. That's my heart. It's kind of like what um, this dude, Thomas, had. What did he say? Until I see Jesus, right? The nail prints in his hand, right? And feel his side, I will not believe. Amen? Now, there is a way that can be said and it's doubts that is speaking amen but there is a way that that can be said where it's a diligent pursuit where you're saying until i see jesus 
I refuse to stop pursuing. Does that make sense? When I said that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen. Until I get that reward, I will not diligently pursuing him. Amen. There is a heart posture that refuses to relent until there is a handling, amen, of that thing that God has said. In fact, dare I say that, that is actually how, amen, we're meant to seek God all the time. Amen. That same heart posture. And Jesus Christ responds to that. We see that even in the gospel, right? Where Jesus Christ appeared and said, Thomas, come and feel me. Amen. Touch me. Amen. Do not be faithless, but be believing. Amen. There is something that happens to you, amen, when the thing you've heard, seen, looked upon has now been handled. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what I, God used, that's, that's what I found myself doing. Amen. To come out of a season of doubt and unbelief and confusion. And just, I knew the enemy was trying to attack me. I just knew. So the way I responded to that was by a lot of assurance. The Bible said Jesus Christ appeared to them with many infallible proofs. What am I saying? I'm saying that these things that are inside of us are to be experienced. They can be experienced now. It's not English. Amen. They're not things that are to be said. There are things that are to be experienced. Amen. This is like an, adver- an ad, a commercial, amen, that's happening here where these things are being said. What you see in the Bible, you can experience at will. Amen. The only problem is, and I say problem in quotes because it's not a problem, but it is a problem when you, the Bible says that the things of God are not, are, are not um, tangible to people that are naturally minded, amen? They are spiritually discerned. So you have to, there's some things that you have to go through, amen, before you can interact with these things. Hence the need for that form that we've been talking about, amen? Now I'm saying all these things because I'm about to go into this portion of scripture here where we're going to look at the end of the journey, amen? At the end of the journey, we will discover that, amen, all of us, we form the spiritual dwelling place of God in the spirit, But each of us is a city of God. So I am the city of God individually. And I'm a member of the city of God corporately. Amen. Now, how does that work? On the inside of me, amen, I'm meant to have the same genetics as every single member of the body. The same way that the cells in my eyes, the cells in my muscles, the cells in my nerve, my brain, sorry. Amen. certain cells in my nerves, yes, my spinal cord, amen. And the cells in my blood, they all have the same DNA, right? But if you check, you see that they all manifest that DNA uniquely. But together they form me. Does that make sense? Yet at the same time, if you take one of my cells, you will see the same genetic code inside of every single one of them. This is very crucial because this is how the Christian body functions. Each and every one of us, amen, is a city of God, but together we form the city of God. Inside of me is the entire structure, but I only manifest, amen, my role, my estate. Amen? Does that make sense? Hallelujah. So if you go back to that scripture, please. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates. Why is the Bible saying this? Amen. The great and high wall, amen, speaks of a filtration process. There is no one scaling the gates, right? No one jumping over the fence, right? That if you are not allowed into the city, you are not allowed. Amen. And the way of determining who goes in and out. Amen. Hallelujah. A great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. 
and names were written on them. Now, I want to point out something, amen. I want to point out a very strong similarity, amen, that this has with the Garden of Eden. Give me Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 23. The Lord sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. Please understand, amen, that God did not send Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Someone says, you literally just read that the Bible said that God sent them out, amen? But I've explained this before, amen? You're going to see many times in the Bible that God would take responsibility for things that he did not do. I explained this using Job's story. Amen. When, Job went and, when Satan went and caused havoc in Job's life, God said, look at what you caused me to do. God looked at Satan, the one that finished killing this guy's children, finished destroying his livestock, his entire business, crumbled everything. And God said, you, you made me stretch out my hand to destroy him. God will take responsibility for every single thing that happens on the earth. You see it all throughout the Bible. Amen. So you're going to see here Adam's sin. Amen. Adam's offense. You see God taking responsibility. Why is it? This is the nature of God. God is not looking for who to blame. God is looking for how to heal. And he will take responsibility. What does that mean? God will cover and shield. Amen. So you see God saying that he sent them out. God didn't send anyone out of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they themselves, they walked out. Amen. You know, Understanding what the Garden of Eden is is very critical, amen, to a lot of things. Hallelujah. I've explained it before through different Melchizedek schools, amen. Hallelujah. The Garden of Eden, don't think about it just a place per se, but in a state of being, amen, that affords you access to God's dominion. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. The Garden of Eden, don't think of it as just a place, but as in a state of being that gives you access, unrestrained access to God's dominion. And what that means is that when you're in the Garden of Eden, you're able to interact with God's word without the cares of this life. Amen? That's why when Adam and Eve, when they partook of the true knowledge of God and evil, the Bible says, thorns and thistles, amen, will the earth bring for you. From the parable of the sower, what are the thorns and thistles? They are the cares of this world. Amen? Hallelujah. The, the legit things legitimate cares of this world so the tree of knowledge of good and evil was a thorn bush amen was a thistle bush when they took of that fruit they put the seeds into their hearts and what now happened thorns and thistles sprang up and it began to choke the life of god now because of that warfare amen they no longer could freely access for God. There was now the issue of dealing with the hearts that had been cursed. Does that make sense? And it wasn't cursed by God. It was cursed by that accursed seed they planted in their hearts. That's the reason behind Noah. That's the reason behind all the people you see Genesis chapter 5. What happened with Adam and Eve, they were doing kind of like a genetic pool. What was happening was that they were raising up their children as priests, amen, and teaching them to see who would master the skill of taming the heart. Is everyone listening? Using God's word. Cain was raised up in this path. Esau was Abel. What happened was that Abel, not Abel, um, Cain, sorry, who was further along in this journey, amen, he completely abandoned that way. How do I know this? 
if you check, Abel was offering up sacrifices, right? But what was Cain dealing with? He was dealing with things that were like the tree of life. Fruits, trees. Does that make sense? I know that these things are not by form but by function. But the fact that Cain was dealing with something of the same class as what they had in Eden speaks of a superiority in his engagement. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. He was a tiller of the ground. What does that mean? He knew how to deal with stuff in the heart. That's why God told him, you should rule over sin. Is anyone listening? Hallelujah. So when you see God sending them out, God not send them out, amen? What happened was that by putting darkness on the inside of them, the lights went out. So the Bible would say that God turned the lights off or God took their lamps and out of his place. It wasn't God that did that. God can't do that. If you check the Bible, you see the nature of God. God is the one that introduces light to you. You see this dude, Saul, King Saul, amen? What happened was that when he kept on disobeying God's instructions, one day he grabbed Samuel's robe, right, and tore it. And Samuel told him, God has torn the kingdom from you. But who is the one that did the tearing? Was it Samuel or was it Saul? It was Saul that went and pulled the thing. Is everyone listening? So what did Saul do? Saul tore himself away from God. Amen? And what happened was that when it now came to manifest, what did he say? The kingdom has been given to your neighbor, right? A man that is near you. Who was that neighbor? David. And as soon as David was anointed with the spirit, amen? As soon as the unction, wonderful. Okay, I can see what you're doing. With the unction for ruling and dominion, the Bible says an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. Did God send an evil spirit to Saul? The answer is no. Well, how do I know this? Amen? Because there is only one king in Israel. So when the oil lifts from this guy and rests on this guy, that is the end of the oil on this guy. Does that make sense? So when David was anointed, there was actually only one king in Israel. And that king was King David. Now, because Saul was out of alignment, what happened? There was a vacuum and an evil spirit came and filled that void. Amen? To be honest with you, the evil spirit was always there. That's the truth. It was just looking for the opportunity to express itself. Amen? God, that rebellion against God, it was actually that same thing. That's what this dude said. Samuel, what did Samuel say? Rebellion is as witchcraft and what? Stubbornness as sorcery, right? Hallelujah. Let's open that verse of scripture real quick. Amen. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. First Samuel, right? And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Not sorcery, sorry. As iniquity and idolatry. Amen. Don't open the scripture, amen. But it's in First Samuel 15 from verse 23. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. So God doesn't reject people. Amen? We are the ones that reject his word. This is very important. Amen? Because we can see. Now, I'm not talking about anointings. I'm not talking about offices and giftings. Amen? Those are predetermined. Amen? By God. So, for example, the calling God upon your life, you're not the one that chooses your calling. Does that make sense? God has called you. Amen? And that calling, amen, it is upon you. Who knows what I'm saying? Now, I cannot... Be engaging God's word to get your calling. That doesn't make any sense, right? God has called you to do only what you can do. Does that make sense? Who understands what I'm saying? So, for example, now, I'm looking at... Um, if I'm looking at any of God's generals, for example, now, and I'm desiring, amen, the office that they had, 
it is very unlikely I'm going to be receiving that unless I have been called to that path. Does that make sense? Now, usually, when you're called to those, you find a desire for that, too. Does that make sense? That's usually why you see people that are like, I want this mantle, amen, and they're genuine and they're sincere. They will eventually find them walking, amen, in those footsteps when they're genuine and sincere, amen. But, again, let's get, come back in context here. Hallelujah. The Lord sent him out to the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken, amen, and you see Cain as a tiller of the ground. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden. Hallelujah. The east speaks of, amen, the entrance or the beginning. In ancient cultures, the east was where the sun would rise. Amen. It also spoke of revelation. That's where dawning, right? Where lights would begin to shine. So at the entrance, again, remember, Eden is not a place per se. It is. You can call it a place, yes. You can have prophetic encounters in Eden, amen? But it is in a state of being. And I'm saying this because, again, every single thing that you come into at the end of your Christian walk, you have access to right now. So this state of being that you find yourself in, you have it right now. Does that make sense? It's so crucial that we read our Bibles, not as a futuristic book of one day we will get there. Very important that we don't do that. Because when you do that, you're hindering everything God is doing in your life. Because honestly speaking, I've discovered, I've had many experiences that don't necessarily have anything, any logical sequence in them as far as like my calling is concerned or my, my growth and development is concerned. What I mean by that is, this, for example, now, I could just engage God today. Now, for example, now we have six hours from 1 a.m. till 7 a.m. I can engage anywhere in the Bible and experience anything there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about how I'm going to walk in greater long-suffering, per se, or greater, well, long-suffering, six hours, right? Anyways, a greater, <laughs> greater forgiveness. Who knows what I'm saying? If I don't necessarily have that conclusion at the end, there's a, and God can give me anything at that point in time. Does that make sense? Now, there's an order the Spirit gives us things, uses to dish things out to us, amen? There's spiritual protocols in place, but make no mistake, everything belongs to you according to the Scriptures. Is what I'm saying making sense? I just want to make sure that that foundation is clearly established so that when we're saying these things, we're not presenting to you something that is out of reach, but you're seeing what you can experience, amen, through intelligent interaction with God's word, through disciplined interaction through God's word, through diligent interaction through, with God's word, through desirous interaction with God's word. Does that make sense? Okay. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden. At the entrance, there was what? A cherubim. And it had what? A flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So you can see right there that the east spoke of what? The way to the tree of life, right? So that beginning, right? So you see here, amen, you're seeing these gates. They correspond to different coordinates. Can everyone see that? I know that cherubim are known for having four faces, right? The yod, the he, the vav, the he, the lion, the ox, the man, the eagle, amen? So you can see here that cherubim were placed at different gates. So there's the yod gate, there's the he gate, there's the vav gate, there's the he gate, amen? Corresponding to the lion gate, right? The ox gate, amen? The man gate and the eagle gate, amen? So... These gates are all from this scripture alone. You can already see that. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 21. Hallelujah. Why am I saying all of these things? You know, many people, you know, if, if you've ever looked up um, any 
occultic or new age book, you will see a lot of illustrations and so much volume. Amen. Speaking about spiritual things. You think that these guys are so spiritual. Meanwhile, everything is just a perversion of this stuff that we ourselves are refusing to tap into. Revelation 21 from verse, again, from verse 10. But let's, let's I'm going to, yeah, from verse 10. Hallelujah. I'm going to go from 12. She had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Why is this important to us? If we just look at what we saw in the Garden of Eden, that there were four gates, right? Or four ways. Amen. We saw that from, from the book of Genesis chapter 3. Amen. You would also see the reason why there's 12 tribes of Israel from this. Because the way, let's just keep on reading, okay? Three gates on the east. Three gates on the north. Three gates on the south. And what? Three gates on the west. Hallelujah. So you're going to see, amen, that you're going to find with each of these coordinates, with the east gates, there were what? East way. There were three gates, right? Or three tribes that corresponded to that way. They bore witness to that way. Does that make sense? Later on, you will discover that... Um, the gates were made of pearls. Each gate was made of a pearl. In other words, it wasn't a physical thing, right? Because if you have a single pearl forming the gate, pearls are literally, they're naturally formed on scathed. Who knows what a pearl is? Those underwater things, right? Those round beads, those jewelry pieces, amen? Those things are, it's about their natural estates, right? It's all about how, how untampered with they are. Amen. They came out from the seashell. The more, the more precious they are is because they have been untampered with. Amen. So it's not about a gate that was fashioned. No, no, no. It's speaking about what people that are able to enter the city, they enter by desire. Remember the parable of the rich man, the merchant seeking 12 pearls? Seeking pearls, not to seeking 12 pearls. I'm going to modify that. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember that story, Matthew 13? Amen. He found the pearl of great price, right? And he sold everything to get in. In other words... Again, this is not talking about you going somewhere. Amen. You're not going anywhere. Amen. Hallelujah. The city of God is who you are, right? But you accessing that reality would require that you let go of this present life. Does that make sense? Are you seeing how beautiful, right? Let's put it right there on the screen. Amen. Can you see how these realities are? These things are told as parables. When you look at what they actually are speaking of, they get very practical very quickly. Amen? So it's not, you have to go to heaven and see one gate. Lord, how, so the man, what is this? I see a pearl. How do I access it? And until you have those experiences, you're not experiencing. You're not, you have no access to it. No, 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 no. Does that make sense? I'm saying this because not everyone is going to be having the same encounters that people who have maybe a more seer-leaning soul, amen, would have. Who knows what I'm saying? Some people are not going to be having experiences that frequently. That is the truth. You know why? Because all of us are different. Amen? Some of us are visual. Some of us have gifts of knowing. Or let me explain it like this. Go back to that illustration with the, with the, um, the thrones of the soul. Hallelujah. Okay. Talking about frequency. Everyone is going to have prophetic visions. Amen? 
there's a way it can be to actually go God's word, you have prophetic vision. But some people are going to be having them, yes, a lot more frequently. It's going to seem almost like it's unfair. Amen? But it's that unfairness is not because they are special per se. Amen? It's because of mostly and the kind of soul that they have. Amen? Does that make sense? Now, why am I saying this? Because when God's word has infiltrated... Oh, it's okay. The battery is actually fully charged. I think it's just it's the power of the trip off or something. Yeah. When you look at everything I've discussed here, nothing here has to do with your spiritual sense of sight. As in, sight's the way I'm seeing you. That is not discussion we're having here. Does that make sense? Or spiritually hearing. Jesus Christ, I thought that door opened up. That was freaky. Amen. <laughs> lady, I receive open doors. Amen. Or spiritual sense of hearing. So I spoke about sight. A door opened. Ah, amen. The door of sight is open to us in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> that was so scary. Oh, God. Anyways, <laughs> I've been having these very scary experiences where things are happening. And I'm not sure <laughs> how to respond. Anyway, so um, everything I'm saying making sense. Amen. Um, these things here, I'm not talking about just an awareness of your spiritual environment. Amen. We're talking about dictating how you respond to what you're experiencing. Amen. Because your spiritual environment, make no mistake, while it is true, we want to be, you know, we want to be prophetic in everything that we're doing. Amen. You also want to make sure that you can be aware of what's coming, but unable to change anything. I'll give an example. I think this is David Hogan. Amen. Now, please, I'm not using this to um, reduce the, um, what you would call the significance of prophetic giftings. Amen. But he's someone that he almost makes a mockery of prophetic giftings. Not, I'm not saying this in a disrespectful way at all. I'm saying this because he has discovered something that many people who have these, they are very comfortable just being aware of what's about to happen and are not concerned with actually changing the narrative. There's a verse that says, if they be prophets, let them make intercession. What does that mean? If you are truly seeing what is going to happen, you should be able to deal with it. That's really what the Bible is saying. This is actually a very sobering statement, amen? Because most of my, hallelujah, I'm going to put a pause on that and keep on going, amen? But let me explain something I think would help. Do you know that you can introduce something, let's say someone has a seer gift, because of a lot of time spent in God's word, you can introduce things into your spiritual environment. What I mean by that is, let me explain what I mean by spiritual environment, amen? Your spirit environment is where? Heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? He's above all things. Now, your physical body, amen, is also, please hear me, okay, also is a spiritual entity. What did I say? So your physical body can interact with spiritual things, amen? So is your soul. Is everyone listening? Hallelujah. Now, when, I speak, when I'm speaking about your, 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 um, your spiritual environment, I'm making direct reference, amen, to the environment that your body is in, that spiritual plane that is here. I can introduce things into this place by virtue of what my soul is engaging. Does that make sense? So my soul's engagement can introduce things into this realm. Now, the, the, um, the peak of this introduction is when they become physically tangible. Not just like kind of like floating in the spiritual realm that um, of our where our physical bodies are right now. Does that all I'm saying making sense? Okay. Hallelujah. Please, I'm oh, I'm going somewhere with all of this. Amen. I'm just saying random things. Next, um, go back to the go back to the um, Bible verse from Book of Revelation. Hallelujah. So it is by desire you access the city of God that you are. Amen. 
What does that speak of? A gate, right? A throne, one of your spiritual senses in that diagram, which is what? Desire, right? There's other ones, reasoning, right? You meditate on these things, think upon these things, reason things out with the Lord, amen? There's other ones too. Your will, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land, amen? There's all of these verses that show us how we're able to find ourselves breaking into these realities at will <laughs> or at desire or at reasoning or at amen. But can you see here how on each of these 12 gates we have the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel? Can we all see that? Can I say something? Shut up. What the? <laughs> they tell me help is on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who taught me had a golden reed to measure everything. And it goes on and on and on and on. Hallelujah. Now, what I want to talk about here, amen, is something very interesting that ties into this. Give me Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6 from verse 4. We want to use this imagery, amen, of being a city of God and set up something that's really cool, amen? Now, please understand, when the scriptures speak of sight, like in the book of Hebrews chapter 5 we just read, amen, or hearing, dullness of hearing, we're not speaking about sound waves going into your ear, amen? We're not speaking about, when the Bible is saying, see or read, like in the book of Revelation it says, blessed are those who read and those who hear, Amen? Whenever you see hearing or sight in the Bible, specifically in the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for hearing, mostly speaking about the Hebrew word Shema, amen? It's actually one of the 12 tribes of Israel, Shema, Shimeon, Shimeon, okay? Hear, O Israel, that is speaking about something going through the thrones of your soul. What did I say? Amen? Something, God's word sitting over there, Amen? So when you're hearing, something is sitting on that place. Is everyone listening? Now, the reason why is because there's no Hebrew word for doing something. The same Hebrew word for hearing, the same Hebrew word for doing. When I'm, when I, same word for understanding, exactly. Is everyone listening? So when I ask you, did you hear what I said? Like, I said, help me go and get water. Now, when I say that, amen, it is expected that my words are going to go into you and tell you what to do. And you will find yourself doing them because of what I have said. That's what Shema means. That's what hearing means. Hearing doesn't mean saying, thank you, sir. That's not, what, that's not what it means. Or smiling or acknowledging that you heard me. Does that make sense? Shema means what I said tampered with the, exactly, tampered with the thrones of your soul. Is everyone listening? That's why I said in the beginning that we're talking about seeing a prophetic vision. You can see a prophetic vision and you're disobedient. Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What was he making reference to? The fact that the words that Jesus Christ spoke to him, amen, on the road to Damascus, those words, they entered inside of him. Is everyone listening? That's why if you check, whenever Paul recounts the experience, you keep on seeing greater and greater detail from that encounter. It was because of a lot of interaction with God's word through the thrones of his soul, through his spiritual senses. So hear, O Israel, okay? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Do you see all of these faculties at play here? 
that diagram. They're saying here, God's word, amen, should be engaged actively in all layers of your consciousness. Can you see what the Bible is saying here? And it goes into the faculties, right? Heart, soul, strength. Amen? Love. Heart, soul, strength. Is everyone listening? That speaks about intensities, heart and soul. Okay, heart and soul. They speak about all the intensities here. All of your soul, meaning all of the entire architecture. Then strength there, okay? Speaking about your will, intentions, reasonings. Everyone listening here? These things are alluded to. They're not spelling out every single thing here for us. Amen? He didn't say mind here, for example. But we know he said mind here. How do I know that? Because when Jesus Christ quoted the scripture, he added mind in the New Testament. Amen? So what is, what is, what's happening here? This is an illusion. This is a hyperlink. To what? The thrones of your soul. Is everyone listening? So you see the Bible making reference to your soul altogether, your heart, amen, and your strength. Leaving nothing behind is the emphasis here. The firstborn thing, or the first thing in particular, is the heart. Hallelujah. That word strength actually speaks about all of your oomph, as in exceedingly. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And these words which I command you today shall be where? In your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. This person is obsessed with what God has said. Can everyone see that? Okay. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets. Now, this is the critical part, okay? You shall do well, bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Amen? This is um, the imagery that we see in Revelation 13 of the mark of the beast. Amen? When you see something on your forehead and on your right hand. Amen? This is speaking about Satan's life. Amen? infiltrating the soul. Amen. Now, someone would say, but we have all, right? Partaking of Satan's life in the soul. Hallelujah. Yes and no. And I'll explain what I mean by yes and no. Amen. The language in Revelation 13, amen, is not speaking about Satan's life infiltrating the soul to the degree that all of us have been aware of it so far. Amen. Satan's life has a curriculum. And I'll explain this, I'll explain your word for now extensively. Amen. Satan's life um, has a curriculum. And it's called the kingdoms of this world and their glories. Is everyone listening? I've listed out these kingdoms before. They are in order. Assyria, Egypt, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and the kingdom of the Antichrist. Amen? All of these entities, amen, thank you. All of these entities, when you read the book of Daniel and you read history books and you read Ezekiel and all these other portions of scripture, you might be tempted to think that the Bible is making reference to those kingdoms as in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, amen, or the Persian empire, amen. That's not what the Bible is concerned with. What each of these things, amen, the kingdoms of this world is not about the empires. It is primarily, amen, the princes of these kingdoms. Who are these princes? The prince of Persia. The king of Babylon. The kings of Greece. If you read the book of Daniel, give me the book of Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. We're going to see all of these entities. Amen. So everyone is tired. You don't get to know the only ones that are tired. I'm tired also. Amen. Hallelujah. Sorry? <laughs> Hallelujah. I like that. That's good. Don't worry. We're going to not be tired tonight <laughs> by force. 
Daniel chapter 10. Let's start from verse, um, let's see here. From verse 12. Daniel 10 from verse 12. It's after Daniel had been praying for, we know the story, right? 21 days, amen. And then what happened? There was no answer, but on the 21st day, he had this encounter, right? And the angel appeared to him and said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now, this entity called the prince of the kingdom of Persia, amen? Hallelujah. Amen? In that vision that Paul Keith Davis had, amen, is one of the entities that is that desires to sit on the thrones of our souls. Is everyone listening? Now, this is not the only prince, amen? There are many other princes we're meant to wrestle with. And when we say wrestling with them, we're not speaking about you having one dark, evil spirit on the inside of you, amen? Hallelujah. Even though if you give yourself to them, do not be surprised about what you find <laughs> happening amen i'm saying this because the bible says very explicitly in first corinthians chapter 2 that we have not received the spirit of this world but the spirit which is of god by which you may fully know all things that be fully given to us by god amen what does this mean so how come someone can what are you saying because the bible is what 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 amen basically what is happening amen is that the spirit on the inside of you you can choose to ignore it and embrace another spirit somewhere else for example People like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their spirits were dead. Amen? But what did they do? They engaged the spirits of God by words that were told to them. God came and spoke to them. When God spoke to them, it's just like how the devil comes and speaks to any of us right now. God tempted, you see the Bible, God tempted Abraham. What does that mean? God speaking to Abraham, right? Satan comes and tempts us. What does that mean? Satan is what? Speaking. Amen? So God would tempt Abraham out of Amen? The way he was living before. Just like Satan wants to tempt us out of our Christian life. Is anyone listening? Now the Bible tells us that we are meant to wrestle actively with these words of God against the words of Satan. Does that make sense? This is what the Bible says. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with what? Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. That wrestling doesn't mean that one day you wake up and like Jacob, you'll be wrestling with one. Let me say something. If you are doing that, amen, and you haven't been engaging God's word, there's something that's sitting for you somewhere. Who understands what I'm saying? There is no fighting any prince of Persia without applying yourself. Does that make sense? Without engaging God's word. In respect of your prophetic vision, if you are not walking, amen, in the ways of God. Because the truth is that all of the prayer, everything, all the engagement, all the everything, so that you can what? Allow God's word to what? Infiltrate your heart. Now, if that process is not ongoing, everything you'll see, you know, you can do Star Wars, bring out lightsaber, and then what? Start fighting Prince of Persia. Nothing is happening. Amen? Who knows what I'm saying? It's a film of your imagination. I can come up with things myself. I'm a, I like doing films. We're doing, we're doing a film very soon for immersion. Amen? And you see some creativity, amen. You know that one is that one has power, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. What I'm saying here is that the actual warfare is not that thing you're seeing. That one is a ceremony. The warfare happened before that one. You know, when you come for a night vigil, you finish, you've been praying for a while, and during the night vigil, you now see a snake is now dead. Do you think that it happened because who knows what I'm saying? It's because you have been seeking God before. 
that vision is just letting you know what has happened. Does that make sense? So when you see someone at night, they are wrestling with, what's that, now wake up and they will, I beat him. You think you wrestle with him at night in your sleep. The wrestling was done before, long time ago. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Okay. So it's not just the prince of Persia, okay? Behold, Michael, one of the chief princes. So we also have our princes. Amen? One of them is called angel what? Michael, okay? One of the chief princes. I like how the Bible says one of. That means there's other chief princes, right? Came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So notice how that prince is what? He's now calling them what? Kings. So each of these princes is a constellation. Is everyone listening? That's why in Paul K. Davis's vision that I shared, uh, we watched last week, amen, he saw that when he looked at his soul from a distance, when he now zoomed in, he now saw what? Other thrones. So one throne is actually made up of what? Many thrones. Is everyone listening? This is why whenever you are engaging God's word, whenever you engage God's word actively, something is always happening to you. You might not have dethroned fully the prince per se, but kings are being what? Dethroned actively. That's what I'm saying. Now, once enough of the dominion of that prince has been uprooted, then the prince will fall. Does that make sense? Okay, so keep it on going here. Hallelujah. I'm really leaning heavily on what happened last week. So if you haven't watched that video, I recommend you watch it. Or if you haven't listened to that message, I recommend you listen to it. Now, I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people. Notice, how, notice what he said here, okay? I've come to make you what? Understand. So this guy wanted to infiltrate Daniel's soul with understanding. But while infiltrating Daniel's soul with understanding, someone was, resi someone was resisting him. Can everyone see that picture? For the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground. I became speechless. And suddenly one, having the likeness of the sons of man, touched my lips. And I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my many sorrows have overwhelmed me and have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord speak to my... Next page. Speak to my Lord. Next page. Okay. My Lord, talk with you, my Lord. For as... For me, no strength remains in me, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, one having like the sons of man touched me and strengthened me and said to me, oh man, da 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 Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? Next page. Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. So it's not just on the in inside that they resist you, but also on the outside. This speaks about the flow of the power of God coming out of your life. This speaks about like when, for example, now you believe what God has said concerning something in your life, but you're not seeing it manifest. What now happens that there's now warfare on the outside, right? That's what the Bible says, punishing disobedience, when your own obedience has been fulfilled. We were not called to just conquer ourselves per se, but the victory, amen, that has overcome the world on the inside of us, amen, must what? Manifest externally. Is everyone listening? That victory has overcome the world must be manifest where? And the Bible says, how do you communicate that victory? Because the Bible says that the victory that overcomes this world is our faith, right? And the Bible says that what? The communication of this victory is made effectual by what? Acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Is everyone listening? Hallelujah. Now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. So what's happening here? When we're talking about overcoming this world, amen, or Satan's 
what we call the mark of the beast, amen? Satan, you know, feeding the soul, mission to the soul. We're talking about the complete diet of Satan. Syria, Egypt, amen? Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and the kingdom of the Antichrist, amen? Satan's goal is that we finish the curriculum. God has his curriculum for us as well, amen? We've talked about that as a word for now, amen? These make reference to the seven feasts of God, right? And these are Passover, 11 bread, first fruits, Pentecost, hallelujah, the Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles, amen? When you finish all of these, what now happens to you, amen? You now manifest fully who you are in Christ without any hiccups, amen? Now, you can do all of these right now, amen, at will, amen, at desire, amen. For example, a situation comes up that demands that you live like Jesus. You can choose to live like Jesus, amen, but there's a, there is, you know, this life force of God on the inside of us, amen. God's desire is that this life force would instruct the soul the same way it instructed the soul when we were first born into this world forcing itself not leaving any trace behind is everyone listening the fruits of that is that you're going to discover you know right now the way we are right now the way we live we we think that when satan introduced his life to us amen what he introduced was a perversion of everything that god did alone there are some things that satan cannot pervert i'm going to say that again what did i say there are some things that Satan cannot pervert. And you find that because of that inability to pervert them, when his life is introduced, those things are inactive and operative. What I'm saying is that when God's life is now ministered to you, you're going to discover new things that you can do. That there is no contrasting or contemporary that Satan has to offer. Does that make sense? There's no opposite of that. There's, no, there's nothing that Satan has to offer that corresponds with this. So we can see lie, truth, lie, right? Death, life. God has more things to say beyond all the things that we can map out on Satan's side of things. Because God is greater than Satan. So for this reason, you're going to discover things that you never could have done before. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look at what he says, okay? Now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is what? Noted in what? The scripture of truth. So what are angels coming to bring for us? Remember that flaming sword at the garden? What, did he, what, what, what is that? But I said, it's not my word like what? A fire, right? Shut up in my bones, right? As Jeremiah said, amen. God wanted like a hammer also that breaks in pieces, right? Bible says, take it upon yourself, what? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you're seeing that these angels, they carry what? God's word. Amen? So that vision we see in Revelation 21 is a kind of soul. Amen? Where at every throne is standing what? A cherubim. Is everyone listening? And they have the word of God. It is because of the word of God presence there that they are standing there. Does that make sense? So you're going to see that even in the, the picture of the Ark of the Covenant, where do the cherubim, where are they found? What, what are they found doing? Overshadowing the mercy seat. What is the mercy seat? God's word. This is actually what I was trying to say from the very beginning. What we call, everyone say mercy. 
What we call mercy is the scripture. What did I say? Give me that Hebrews 8. Amen. Because the Bible says that when God's laws have been written in your heart, God says, I will be merciful to what? Michael, you gesture there, okay? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Expose. Pinch with four fingers. Hallelujah. There we go. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no longer. Hebrews 8 from verse 10. Hallelujah. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their heart. So you can see here what is going to be happening. That God is saying, I will put what? Angels of God inside of you. I will put what? Cherubims inside of you. I will put my dwelling place, my tabernacle where? Inside of you. Everyone listening? Okay. So just picture all these things, okay? In your mind, on your heart, I will be your God. You shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord. For they all shall know me. This tells me what eternal life is. What is eternal life? That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ will be sent. So eternal life is what? Putting the scripture where? So that it can instruct the way I live. Is everyone listening? And we'll read some verses to just to hammer this. Amen. For all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. See that? For I will be what? Do you see what the mercy of God is? When you see that the New Testament can be engaged at will. You will see that the mercy seat. Where is the mercy seat then? This is the mercy seat. Is anyone listening? When this thing enters inside of me, that is the mercy seat. Does that make sense? Do you see how beautiful that is? And around the mercy seat are found what? Cherubim. You have a question? Yabe? Something to say. Okay, microphone. Just say it loud. Say it loud. Scripture that says that the word of God is like a mustard seed. It's really small, but when it when it grows large, then it's like the biggest thing in the. And then angels can come and. That's exactly what I'm saying. Amen. It's of Matthew 13, the parable of the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, but when it is planted, it brings forth what this giant tree, and all the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Do you know the birds in the parable of the sword, the ones that take seeds off from the ground, those are evil spirits. The devil cometh and takes away. The devil is a cherubim, right? Fallen cherub. So that means these birds are landing on you are what? Heavenly cherubs, right? Cherubims of God. Do you know what's also interesting? That means when Satan is throwing his seeds at you, what will those birds do? They will be taking the seeds and throwing them away. That's why you'll not be able to hear Satan talking to you. Is everyone listening? That's, that's, this is what God has promised us. You will not be able to remember your iniquity. When Satan tries to bring the memory to you, an angel will come and what? Slap the memory out of your head. Your will, you see, the re, what God is promising us is an Eden-like state where the Bible says that no one, give me Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. 
Hallelujah. From verse 4. Genesis 2 from verse 4. Hallelujah. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb or herb of the field had grown. Now, this is making reference to a soul that is a blank slate. There is no plantation inside. There is no seed inside. This is the state that every human being is born into when they come into this world. Amen. When you're first born, your soul has no herb, no plant. Amen. For the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man still the ground. But it made it from the earth and water. So, for God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to till the ground. This is the state of Eden. So when there's no man to till the ground, what happens? A mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. This estate we're meant to come into is an estate where we are not, for lack of better words, or let me say it like this, the same way a child, see what the Bible says that for the kingdom of God, you have to be like children. The same way a child is freely exploring the world that they're in. That's how we're going to be. You won't be you know, a child doesn't care about what is right and wrong, per se. They can run around naked, right? They can go out and touch naked wire. They can eat what? A cockroach. Now, what will happen is that you will now have some things, what's installed on the inside of you as you're exploring God freely. And what will these things do? Influencing how you experience life. The Bible makes reference to this many times in Scripture, something called the highway of holiness. Where even if the fool should walk, fool means what? A child, right? Fool turns the mouth in the house of a child. The Lord of Christ drives it out. Even a fool that walks there will be safe. Is everyone listening? I want us to read a few scriptures that will drive some of these things. But does everyone, see the, is everyone seeing the picture now of the kind of heart? Amen. So this heart we're describing now, amen, is actually God's heart. Now, God wants us to grow. It's almost like God planted himself inside of us. Now, our souls are awakening to this reality is our growth process. That progressive awakening, amen, into this reality is us growing. So, you already have the fullness of God inside of you. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you have what? The mind of Christ, right? the emotions of Christ, the will of Christ, the desire of Christ, all of these things. But how do you access these things? Progressive awakenings that will be dawning upon the soul. Is everyone listening? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I hope this is blessing. I hope this is ministering to someone. Um, I'm trying to find priesthood, New Testament. New Testament. New Testament. There we go. Hallelujah. Um, give me, we've been looking at Jeremiah 31, but the New Testament version in Hebrews chapter 8. Hallelujah. I want to see if I can introduce one theme before we end. But before we do that, let's look real quick at Ezekiel 36 from verse 25. Ezekiel 36 from verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. Jesus Christ said you are clean by the words that I've spoken to you. 
Amen. So when God is saying now sprinkling water, what is he talking about? The ministration of God's word. Amen. Now it is God's word. He's talking about us being clean here. He's speaking about no interference. What does that when I say no interference, that sounds like hey, I'm coming up with some lame thing. Amen. What I simply mean here is what was when something is clean, what does that mean? It's just that thing alone, right? Nothing else. When your shirt is clean, that means there's no other thing there. If I pour juice on this shirt, it's no longer clean. Why? It's not been tainted, right? It's no longer virgin. But when I wash it off, I'm removing that thing that is not that thing. So only water God wants us to be drinking from. Does that make sense? Now, when you are receiving, amen, pure water, the Bible says, as newborn babes, desire sincere milk for development, amen, for advancement, right? For growth. You shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols. What are these idols? Babylon, Persia, ideologies that we have held on to, belief systems that have caked in the soul, caked in the heart. Believe, you, believe me, I know what I'm saying. No, I have many of them that I believe right now that are still inside of there. What I mean by that is that I have not let go of these belief systems yet. Now, God calls those belief systems what? Filthiness. Yes, yeah, worthless traditions from our ancestors that we've held on to. This is how we do it in our village. Amen? Meanwhile, you're not from that place. Or Lagos, or Lagos. But you're not from that place. So God is saying, this is useless. You're from a different place. Why are you holding on to these traditions? Inside of you is God's spirit. Why are you engaging a different spirit? Who knows what I'm saying? When you look at everything together, it doesn't make any sense. Amen? But the thing is that despite it's not making any sense, the, the not making sense is the, the person that doesn't make sense to is the Christ that you are. That you have not yet accepted you are yet. So this person here, amen, that you're dealing with, you're knocking, get, Bible says crucify the flesh, right? Crucify the old man with his deeds. So you have to believe that you are this man. Does that make sense? And intentionally let's go. This is how you, how, what, does that, what does that look like? When you say Bible, believe, like, believe you're this man. You see what the scriptures tells you you are, right? As Jesus Christ. Then comes the warfare. Amen. What is that warfare? Persia is talking. Babylon, Greece is talking. Logic, right? Administration, right? Pleasures of this world. All of them are speaking at the same time. Now you, beloved, whose reports are you meant to believe, right? Huh? Report, right? Bible said, let God be true, let every man be a liar, right? We have to make up our minds, amen, basically, on whose life we're going to live. Bible says that those who do these things declare plainly, declare plainly. Hallelujah. What we're looking for is pure water. We don't want to hear the voice of all of these strangers. We only want what? The pure, the clean water, amen, the pure, the sincere milk, God's word, God's voice alone. This is actually what, this is the treasure of, people refer to as the prophets in the Bible. God's word, what has God said? Has God said? That is all we're concerned with. Or what has God said? Satan is saying, has God said? By introducing filth to it, right? Hallelujah. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you what? A new heart. And what? Put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my what? My spirit within you. Now, this speaks not just now. When we say the spirit of God, 
What comes to our mind now is speaking in tongues. Amen. That is powerful. That is good. That's very important. Amen. But God's spirit, amen, has delegated his ministries to angels of God. You know, when I say it like this, it now makes Holy Ghost seem more exciting, right? But the Holy Ghost is out of you. That's nice. But when you now explain in detail all of these things, Christ inside of you, well, that's nice. When you now see that, ah, is the person that made the heavens and the earth. Ah, is the person that did this, did this. Ah, 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 all of a sudden. Hey, what's happening? Your reasoning faculties have been tampered with, right? Now there's more understanding, more value being attributed. So when we're talking about the sp- God putting his spirits within us, he's speaking, notice about the Holy Ghost as in the supervisor of the host, the host of heaven, right? He's speaking about all of the different operations of God that have been delegated to angels of God. Essentially, God is saying that all angels will be what? Inside of you as a consequence of this. Is everyone listening? So that is what you're seeing as angels of God standing at what? Each of the thrones of your soul. Why? God's spirit is what? Resting on you. And what is happening here? As God's spirit is resting within you, he is what? Causing you to walk in his statutes. And you will keep his judgments. The way he sees things, you will keep them. They will be sticking to you, if that makes sense. Why? Angels of God are what? The Bible says they will, they will guard you, right? And hold your foot, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So you might even want to stumble. What would happen? The angel of God will have charge over you, and they will make sure you're about to trip. They will help you with your leg. Is everyone listening? They will, they will get, you know, King James, they will get thee up, get thee. Pastor, you want to say something? Um, I know most people that will listen later, most people are listening. Um, you know, I would like you to really, I think, to details, you know, like angel living inside of you. Uh, uh, so I will, I understand the area you are, you are talking about for the benefit of most people. And, um, you know, to equally help um, religious mind. There's something about religious mind. It's a, that's a dangerous spirit. You know, hearing something like that without paying attention to details or what the person is trying to communicate or the message the person is passing across. So I would like you to explain that angel living inside of us. Hallelujah. Jesus said in book of from John chapter 1 that you see the heavens open and angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. That is an archetype that belongs to all sons of man. Let's go there real quick on book of John chapter one. The word son of man means a weos man, a developed man, a man that has gone through processing. Someone that has matured, not a child, a tech, not a technon man, but a weos man. Check the Greek, you see what I'm saying to me? John chapter 1 from verse 51, Jesus says, Verily, verily, assuredly, he's shouting it, Assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Is everyone listening? Now, this is going to be not just happening in the spiritual realm. This is something that you're going to be experiencing. Again, your physical body is a spiritual entity. Amen? And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
if you check how the temple was designed, we need to have another painting of Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple had carvings, amen, of cherubim everywhere. Amen. They had, um, thank you, thank you. Um, they had um, carvings of cherubim, of flowers, amen, and open flowers and palm trees, amen. And this was everywhere, speaking about a Garden of Eden-like experience, thank you, amen. All throughout, you see cherubim all over, amen, the boundary, amen, of what? Of the tabernacle. For us, what is the boundary of your space? It speaks about your house, right? Speaks about wherever you're walking, your personal space. So what's going to be happening to you as a believer? Angels of God will be finding their home where? In your physical body. Now, they're allowed to stay there because of God's word in your, on inside of you. Do you know you can put God's word in your body? That's what we read now. These words shall be in you. You shall put them where? On your forehead. Write them upon your hand, right? Upon your hand. Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 7 that some people are sealed with the name of God on their foreheads. What does that speak of? They are tattooing God's word on your body. Someone says, that's not scripture. The Bible says you should mortify by the spirit the deeds of the flesh. And those deeds were referred to as motions of the flesh in Romans chapter 7. Listen very carefully. When the Bible says, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God... This is your reasonable service. That presentation of your physical body, amen, is actually what every seeker of God has to do. I'm going to show it to us. Okay, give me Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Hallelujah. Whoops. Psalms chapter 40. Psalms 40. Yes, from verse 6. Psalms chapter 40 from verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, my ears you have opened. Look at that, okay? Sacrifice and offering you do not desire. So the ritual of killing animals. See the person says she's not sleeping. She's not tired, sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Help me awaken. Open the ears of my sister. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, my ears you have opened. Amen. What does this mean? Remember what we said before? Rebellion is like what? Witchcraft. Now the Bible is saying here, rebellion is like witchcraft, but what? The opening of your ears is like what? Sacrifices unto God. Can you see the picture here? The Bible says, has God has delight in what? In God had God, sorry, does God delight? God delights more in obedience. Has God has delight? How does, how does Samuel say it? Obedience. Than the fat of rams, right? For obedience is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams, right? Hallelujah. To hearken, that was interesting. To hearken than the fat of rams. First Samuel, I'm going to read, okay? Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? That Hebrew word for obeying there is Shema. So he's saying here, has God. Grace delight in Shema, in sacrifices, as in Shema, as in hearing, as in God's word going through your spiritual senses. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Go back to that scripture. So that person that is 
Amen. Allowing God's word to traffic through their hearts. He's doing what Samuel did. Amen. In the Old Testament. When Israel was repenting. And what did Samuel do? He offered up a lamb. And then God attacked the enemies because of that sacrifice. Is everyone listening? Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but my ears have opened. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Give me Hebrews chapter 10. <sighs> Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 5. So here we're seeing that my ears are opened. Amen. When God's word traffics through my spiritual senses, my ears you have opened, my ears you've opened. But look here. When he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offer you no desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Do you see that? So that means the opening up of my ears is the same thing as the preparation of my body. Is everyone listening? So I make my body a living sacrifice by what? Engaging God's word. Is everyone listening? In, in, in intentionally what? Engaging God's word. In fact, whenever I'm praying, what I literally do when I'm praying, whenever I'm engaging any scripture, I have this prophetic picture in my head. It's like when I'm pacing, so let's say I'm pacing from here to here. I'm going to have in the middle that scripture, and I'm walking into that scripture, kind of like a force field, holographic, laser etching thing. When I walk into it, a portion of it is etched on my skin. Then I walk back again, it is etched again. So I'm continually engaging intentionally that scripture with the desire for that thing to be where? On my body. Wherever the testimony is written, what do you find there? Cherubim of glory. The Shekinah comes and, what's the Shekinah? Holy Ghost comes and rests upon you. Is everyone listening? So it is not too um, far-fetched, amen, if you can now say that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and what do you see in the temple? <laughs> Cherubim inside the temple. Right? Two of them on the mercy seat. Two other ones made of olive, olive wood, right? Covered with gold on the outside. And all around the walls are cherubim everywhere. And the veil to the most holy place also has cherubim there. So you have the entire, what? Tabernacle. Bodily. And I've also had experiences or whatever, different encounters for that have shown this. I remember one time I was leading, first time I actually began to have these was when I was leading prayers here. Someone saw me in spirit and then I was, I, you know, many times you're praying and seeking the Lord and trying to birth something, so to speak. But I had, I didn't have enough strength. So I opened up, I told everyone, hey, everyone, can I'm seeing this vision. Can we all pray into this? And so we all began to pray. And it was when everyone began to pray and now found the strength I needed to now push through. And the person saw, as I was pushing through, the person saw an angel coming out of my inside. Is everyone listening? Now, that is what happens to you, child of God, when you have something called a victory note in prayer. You have brought forth the answer to your prayer. Obviously, all of God's promises are yes and amen. But the promises of God are found in his word. They enter you through the scripture and they must what? Come out. Is everyone, is everyone listening? As the scripture has said, he that believes that is the entrance of God's word inside, then what? Out of my belly shall flow. That's what that angel said to Daniel, right? I fought with the prince of Persia to come in. Now to come out, I must fight again with the princes of Persia. So it is what? Angels of God ascending and what? 
descending upon the Son of Man. Is everyone listening? So this process is very, very scriptural. When I say scriptural, I can preach on this for two weeks nonstop, almost every single day, because that's actually what we're going to do. It's not even a, we're going to be doing that in my physical. We're going to explain these things from the scriptures, because we saw there that at every one of these gates was what? An angel with a sword. Amen? And that speaks about God's word. The Bible says they are to keep charge. What do, what, what do you think? I know we see prophetically in visions that you see an angel walking into the room. No angel is walking to any room from anywhere. Amen. They're coming out from you. You are the you are you are you have the kingdom of God within you. Your spirit man is what? That is God. Is anyone listening? God is more manifest in your spirit man than he is on the throne. And the angels of God are surrounding the entire place. Is anyone listening? And where are we right now? Our spiritual environment. We have come to where? Zion, the city of the living God, right? Innumerable companies of angels so spirit soul body there is no shortage of these things what is the issue is that coming in and coming out that's what the bible says blessed are you coming in and blessed are you going out amen so very quickly let's go back real quick to deuteronomy 6 hallelujah deuteronomy 6 from verse 4, we are currently um, on verse 6. You shall bind them for a sign upon your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. Then verse 9 now says, you shall write them upon the posts of your house and on your gates. You shall put them on the posts of your house and on your gates. You shall put them on the posts of your house and on your your gates now it was when i saw posts of your house i now saw something that ritual they did in passover where they took what his the reed right and they stuck it in the blood of this of the of the passover lamp and they used it to what brand their doorposts that was a prophetic picture of what happened to us when you got born again what happened the gospel was preached to you god's word and you took God's word and you put it where? The, on your heart. And because of that, you are now sealed by the spirit of God. With what? God's name. Is everyone listening? Now, that process happened to you when you got born again. But it is a continual experience where you're going to be receiving God's names upon yourself. God has, there is only one God, right? And only has one name, which is Jesus, right? But that name, Jesus, name speaks about operations of God. So there's an operation of God that was written upon you when you got born again. Amen? And that was what? Jesus Christ is Lord. The Lord our righteousness, right? But there names of these names of God, they have to be spelt out. Does that make sense? What am I spelt out is that? They have to be fully furnished. The Bible says by wisdom a house is built. By understanding it is furnished, right? Or established, sorry. And by our knowledge, it is now furnished. And all goodly things are now filled fill, fill up the house with treasuries. Amen? So God wants you to know what happened to you when you got born again. Or let me say like this. God wants to experience what happened to you when you were born. The example came through the side camp. When a child said, uh, what is now? But if I was born, how come I don't know? Something along those lines or whatever. And I told the child that, when you? How come I didn't feel it when I got born again? And I said, did you feel anything? Do you remember feeling anything when you were born? Yes, I just, um, it was Daniel Kemp, but he, he called his, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josiah Camp Plus Pro or Pro Max Pro <laughs> Pro. Josiah Camp Pro. That's what blacks are to call it. Because they were really young and really cute. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But I love their responses because of, you know, when, when you hear a young child saying something that's brilliant, you're like, Jesus, uh-uh, this is wonderful. Amen. So we had no memory, amen, of what happened to us when we gave our lives to Jesus. All of God snuck in, people call it Jehovah Sneaky. God snuck inside of you, amen, implanted himself inside of you, and you have no idea what is inside of you. We can say God. And when we say God, we think about big light and explosion and power. We have no idea. We have no idea. That's the truth. When I say we have no idea, you can have some vision, some encounters. Some Paul said, to him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can think, that you can fathom. So as far as like the person inside of you, what that person is, who he is, what, what you have no idea. This is why worship is foundational in your Christian walk. Why? You are one. As you enter his gates, enter his courts, hallelujah, what are you doing? That engagement process opens up your own gates, amen, to what? To receive who he is. That's why you're ministering to God, and so much of him overwhelms you, you don't have words. Why? <laughs> the only reaction is holy, right? <laughs> holy, holy, holy. Exactly. That's what holy is. That's what someone said. They saw the seraphim. And they said that they were not singing. They were crying. That's actually the Bible says that, right? The voice of him that cried out. He was crying so, so passionately that what? The doorposts in heaven were shaking. And that's, <laughs> that's a seraphim of glory, right? Hallelujah. I, I don't think I'm going to have time to go into the other thing I want to go into. But <laughs> this verse 9 says... You shall write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Do you know what's so interesting? I'm going to use this to segue into the Holy Communion. Amen. <sighs> Hallelujah. Give me 1 Corinthians 11 from verse 25. Everything we've discussed right now is what is called the New Testament. If you read the scripture very carefully, you will see this is called the New Covenant. Yes. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 25. Just put a two in front of the five. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is what? The new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What is Jesus Christ saying here? This, now this ritual, there is the physical ritual we're about to do now, amen? But the communion the Bible has called us into is the engagement, amen? That is called the New Testament. What's that? Branding God's laws upon the heart. What did I say? Now this process we're meant to do, as often as you eat this bread, sorry, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So whenever you're taking Holy Communion, you're meant to be engaging what? God's word. Is everyone listening? What, what is that process? Branding God's word upon your heart. 
upon your mind. Is everyone listening? The fruit of all of these things. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we stand? Hallelujah. Can we just pray in the Holy Spirit? I want you to see yourself as though you were on that beautiful day, that Passover night. You're not just going to eat that Passover lamb. You're not just going to drink wine. You're going to dip that brush. I think it's hiss a branch inside that bowl of blood. And you're going to take the scripture from that blood. The Bible says that God's word is life. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In him was life. Hallelujah. In him was life. And the life of the flesh is in the blood so when God speaks beloved blood is what comes out so you have in the scriptures a book of blood so I want you to see that as we're taking Holy Communion I want us to engage that process of scooping out from the scriptures that which the Lord is saying right now that our hearts will be branded the sprinkling of the blood upon our doorposts. The sprinkling of the blood upon our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. For us, this is the mercy seat, Lord Jesus. We can come boldly. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can come with boldness. Oh, boldness. Thank you, Jesus. You're welcome to the table of the Lord. Hallelujah. the scriptures we eat the word and we drink the spirit hallelujah thank you Jesus
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can we pray in the Holy Spirit? Everything belongs to Jesus. That is our anthem. That Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is supreme, that he is commander. Hallelujah. Can we just, in a very simple way, amen, experience joy in the fact that God has put everything that we are engaging inside of us. Trust me, beloved, when you're reading the scriptures, your scriptures are a, in your own language that you can understand, a transcript of what is on the inside of you. So when that angel appeared to Daniel, he said, I will let you know what is written inside of you, beloved. At that time, it wasn't written in Daniel because Daniel's spirit was dead. But inside of us, hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Thank you for this invitation, Lord God, to experience, to enjoy, to partake, to be sprinkled upon. Thank you for the sprinkling of your blood. Thank you for the preparation of our body, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because we are your temple, your tabernacle, your dwelling place. Thank you, Jesus, because the Spirit of God dwells in us. In our bodies, Lord God. Thank you for angels of God ascending and descending over us. This is a reality we can enjoy and experience. Thank you, Jesus. I am the dwelling place of God. I am the tabernacle of God. Thank you, Jesus, for the New Testament in your blood, in your word, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this new heart you've given me. Thank you for this new mind you've given me. Thank you for new emotions, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for new reasoning. Thank you, Jesus, for new desires. Thank you, Jesus, for new memories. New creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, we have PHB Youth Vigil from 1 a.m. this morning, six hours. Amen. Hallelujah. Once I encourage you to join us if you can. We will be posting it live on Zoom. But um, anyways, you already know, you can tell there's a difference between being online and being in person. Amen. But for those who are in diaspora, the Lord sees and knows you. And what he does is that this happened to my sisters. He brought a glory um, to them because he knew where their hearts were. Amen. So they will experience meetings. They will have encounters and stuff or whatever while listening online. Sometimes even beyond what was happening during our meetings here in person. Hallelujah. And um, the immersion registration is open. Hallelujah. And our first trailer comes out in about 30 minutes, y'all. 
It's going to be on YouTube, our YouTube page. So be on the lookout. You probably see it already. Hallelujah. So, um, yeah, that's it. You are blessed and you are dismissed. Jesus loves you, y'all. Bye-bye.